Welcome to Crossfade, the dueling album review show about expanding your musical horizons. I'm your host, Matt Helgeson, joined as always by my producer and co-host, Jason Daphnis. Hello, Jason. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? I'm good, man. It was nice weather today, you know? Uh, it was, right? I woke up and it was like 15 degrees, and then I went out later and it was like 50. Yeah, beautiful. Global warming. What, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Finding beauty um, in pain. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's temporarily good, and then it'll be horrible after. But that's, <laughs> that's like a lot of things, um, including this podcast. Um, no, I'm just kidding. This podcast is always <laughs> good. Uh, so yeah, this is a, a little bit of a different show. Um, we're, you know, we're, uh, uh, kind of a week past, uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, but you know, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, uh, I think one thing that I've been very thankful about this year is just being able to do this podcast. And, and even more importantly, I think how supportive, uh, our, our community has been, uh, the Patreon supporters and just all, all the listeners, really people on Twitter. Um, just really overwhelmingly positive and and we've been really i think very lucky and very fortunate to have um just such a, a an awesome audience that i think is very passionate about music and and very knowledgeable about music and uh to that end we thought we'd want to we kind of want to do something special towards the end of the year here so we um put out a call to our patreon supporters um and if you want to be a patreon supporter of minmax our our sort of our parent organization that does an amazing job doing all kinds of video game and pop culture content you can go to patreon.com slash minmax m-i-n-n-m-a-x uh and support uh, at any level and then you can kind of take part and then like there's a special discord for crossfade and and all kinds of stuff um it's been a lot of fun having conversations there and and we uh we got a ton of responses a, a lot of enthusiasm um Maybe more enthusiasm than we even expected. Uh, so <laughs> definitely we, more than we thought we'd handle. Yeah. So we got a, we got a ton a ton of of suggestions, which was awesome. And we definitely uh, are very conscious of wanting to try to accommodate all those. Unfortunately, during the length of one show, you know, we just can't do like you know eighty five songs or whatever it is. So um, you know, me and Jason have had some conversations. We're going to do um, as many as we can get through tonight. We think about twenty. Um, which is kind of like doing two albums. Um, and then I think, you know, in the future, I- I'm hopeful that we're going to, we're going to keep track of all these picks and, and maybe do a part two of this show. Um, and other ones that maybe can't be accommodated, uh, we'll, we'll try to do at the, the community picks at the end of every episode that we, we always do to try to make sure that, you know, these get out here moving forward. Um, Jason had a great idea just so we were kind of, we want to do something we felt like was fair to everybody. So, Jason made a playlist of all the uh, submissions that we had, and um, we basically just ran a shuffle for 20 songs, just so it was kind of like randomly selected, you know, like bingo, basically. And this is what, you know, Spotify spit out in, in the order that it spit it out. And we're going to get to as many as we can of these these first 20 tonight. Um, but anyway. Did I, ever, did I ever update you, Matt, on how, how many we got as of recording? How I many thought it was suggestions? Like it was like 80 when you saw it. It is now 95 as of this recording, which is wow. an incredible amount of like, I am always surprised this Patreon format at how like easy it is to get exactly what people want. Just like direct line to the people who are listening to this and support this. It, it's wild to me still. And I'm not just saying that because like I'm part of it, but it's still crazy to me uh, how many people showed up and I'm really glad they all did. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and I just, I, I do want to just once again, just give, you know, sincere thanks to everyone that listens to the show, everyone that subscribes, 
everyone that's been nice enough to uh you know leave us reviews on on you know apple or, or wherever um it, it's been great and so we we very much do appreciate our audience so much and uh, i think this was an indication of how enthusiastic uh, you all are about music um and like i said we're going to try to i mean this seems like it's a popular thing and so maybe this can be kind of like a, a, a semi-regular thing that we we kind of plug in between our normal slate of guests uh you know in, in the future um so anyway thank you thank you very much and, and let's let's get to our picks here uh mm-hmm. the first I'm super one excited yeah this is very interesting a very uh very diverse set of picks extremely diverse set of picks very interesting mm-hmm. some some that were even new to me um some that i'd kind of heard of and not really you know checked out uh so it, it was really fun there was a lot of these really good songs and, and really cool stuff Interestingly enough, though, the one that we're starting out with that it split out first is probably uh, the best known of all of these and a band that's really, you know, uh, you know, probably s- still one of the more popular bands in the world. Um, mm-hmm. And that is Green Day off their sort of epic blockbuster concept album, American Idiot, um, which, gosh, that's probably over 10 years old by now. Um, it's like 07, 08, something okay. like that. Yeah, right? I was going to say that I thought it was like, you know, around maybe 2010, but even earlier. Um, yeah, this was, you know, looking back, I, w- I was kind of thinking about American Idiot, and I was sort of thinking, like, in a way, uh, in retrospect, like, maybe it was kind of like the last classic rock album. You know what I mean? Ooh, I because, like that take. What do you mean by that? Well, just in the in the fact that, I mean, I, I still think there's a lot of amazing rock bands um, out there, obviously, and, and but I think they tend to be a little bit more underground or a little bit more in certain niches that we will actually see some, you know, in, in, in the future picks on this show. Um, but you know, it was like, I think that thing sold like 10 million copies and it just, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely harked back to like big classic rock bands more, you know, particularly like the who and like Tommy and Quadrophenia, their, their big concept albums are like the kinks and, and obviously had the kind of roots into, you know, eighties American punk and nineties American punk that, that green day was a part of. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just don't feel like I don't know if an album could like that could be as big as it was now. You know what I mean? And I no, definitely. I, th- and also, just to correct ourselves, this album came out, Matt, in two thousand and four, the year of our Lord two thousand and four. Jesus Christ! That right? No, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I'm gonna, that, uh, that's overruled, Jason. <laughs> that's just it not came true. out in like twenty twelve. Um, no, <laughs> okay, well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll that's the thing. Though, everything, page. everything I think that was like ten years ago was like fifteen years ago. And, it's uh, it's <laughs> sickening, uh, but I I feel very similarly to this about this song and this album as you. I won't take too much time, but like it is a seminal rock song. Like this was, uh, I was what eleven when this song released, and I was you know a teen when I was starting to listen to punk and and rock and more modern music. I grew up on like oldies, uh, and so it's it's just a seminal rock song to me. It's an absolute time capsule for me of of that period of my life. Um, I taught myself to play bass to this album. Uh, and particularly this song was really good for that. You know, it's multiple songs in a row. I like Mike, Mike Durnt, Mike Durnt, Mr. Durnt. Uh, <laughs> I forget his real name, but, uh, and like going back to his older bass work, just as a side note was a really fun experience too. Cause it's like, this is way more intricate. This is way more complicated. Not, I mean, maybe twice as fun, but like way, way different. Um, yeah, it was, it's funny. Cause you know, I, I guess my perspective on Green Day is probably a little bit more when they came out, you know, like mm-hmm. like Dookie and and stuff like that. And I always thought when this came out and they just became huge and it was like critically acclaimed and they won a bunch of Grammys and they you know kind of vaulted into that like you know touring hockey and basketball right. arenas, superstar. And yeah, and I, I guess it was it was it was interesting to me that like of all the bands of the '90s that were kind of big, 
that they were the ones that sort of lasted. Mm -hmm. Because really, you know, their first song was like about smoking pot and like jacking off on the couch. You know what I mean? And it was <laughs> well, sort just of <laughs> imagine, imagine like getting getting like powerfully successful off of that music, and then turning and making a rock concept opera album. You know, like it's it's it wasn't a safe move particularly. It ended up being no. a really good bet, but like it was not like the surefire moneymaker. And I'm glad they did, but I think it changed the course of a, a whole lot of like rock and punk. Uh, that has come since too. Yeah, did I? I, told, I saw Mike Durnt on the street in New York one time. What? <laughs> yeah, I was just I was I was I was visiting Rockstar Games and they were in like Soho, which is like you know super hip and everything. And yeah, like I just I was walking by and I saw this like he's pretty tall. You know what I mean? And like really, I think so. Yeah, I, I think imagine I, he's a pretty short guy. But well, Billy's what did, what did, Billy's Billy Joe's short. But yeah, he was oh, just okay. like he was just like sitting outside at like a a sidewalk cafe, just like you know smoking cigarettes and like having a cup of coffee. And then like, I kind of walked, I was like, Oh, that's the green day guy. <laughs> it's like, I thought about saying something, but then I'm like, what would I say to Mike Durant of green day? So I just kept on walking. <laughs> but anyway, I saw him one time. You, you start with, you start with a kind. Hello, sir. <laughs> yeah. But he was on the other side of the fence of the cafe and like at a table. And like, there was mm -hmm. a woman with him. And so I just didn't, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah I don't want to yeah, be yeah. that guy. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you're right. Yeah, they, I mean, they came out. This is very ambitious, and it definitely harks back to, like I said, like Tommy by the Who, and and you know a lot of the Kink stuff in, in more of a punk way. Mm -hmm. But uh, and I think Jesus of Suburbia is probably you know the one that is maybe the most ambitious song of of an ambitious you know album. It's it's sure we have a, we have a few timestamps here because it's it's it is one song, but it's sort of like a suite of maybe like you know four you know four distinct kind of movements and things like that. So. Um, let's let's play a little bit of it. Cool. And then maybe start at we the should start. probably like yeah, start at the start and then you know, whenever you want, you can kind of maybe move ahead to those kind of secondary and third parts. Mm-hmm. Here we go. One thing I realized while listening to this song, like critically, you know, I hadn't really before this is like, it's really crucial that none of these songs that, that like that this uh, song is constituent of, none of them suck. They're all about two minutes long. They're all just crazy hook filled, uh, just really simple, straightforward stuff. You get the idea that a lot of these ideas were, uh, a lot of these songs were just percolating for years and they couldn't maybe finish them. I mean, that's. That's yeah, my head oh, totally, that totally. they could maybe finish, like, but they're like, this is a really ripping riff and a really fun hook, and we're just going to like mash them all together. And somehow they put it together and made all the transitions work, which is crazy to me, too. Yeah, uh, you know, oh, the song is totally. like, it's nine minutes long, and not a second of it, I think, is is uh, is non-essential. No, absolutely. I mean, that's a classic thing. It just haven't been in bands. It's like, there was always yeah. those things where you had a riff, and it was like so cool, and everyone loved it to practice, and it just, you couldn't find the next thing. You know what I mean? You just couldn't put yeah. it together as a, like a song with like verse, chorus, verse kind of stuff. And they just, you know, kind of was smart. They just did away with it. They just like had parts and they just kind of, yeah. you know, morphed them together into one big thing. What did what did you guys do with bits that never came to be? They probably just died on the vine, honestly. Yeah. It just kind of, you know, eventually they would we just stop trying to practice with them. And, you know, that was it. Mm -hmm. But oh, there's a few that I'm always like, oh, you know, I play them and I'm like, that was a good riff, but it was just a riff, <laughs> you know. We're coming up to our first change, and this has only been about two minutes, but the first time we're like going into another song. 
like slow ballady type thing. Yeah, this is a nice this is a nice part. It just occurred to me that, you know, I definitely, the Who and the Kinks are very, like, cool references, but maybe a little Billy Joel as well for, a, like, a less hip reference. <laughs> yeah. Just that, that that previous descending kind of piano part, I don't know. <laughs> and not only do they change the mood here... They changed the whole meter. They changed to a three-four thing or a six-eight thing. I guess. Yeah, I like the this, one, this, two, three, this one, two, sweet. three. This is a really sweet. Hey. See, this could have been like an older Green Day song on its own, right here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you get the feeling that this was a part of an older Green Day song. You know, like a really good part of the older Green Day song, where, like, going back to this song, I realized this is one line and like four notes over and over. But it really works in the whole context of the thing. Like, I wouldn't go to this song to listen to a section of it. I don't think I've ever gone and been like, I'm going to drop out of five minutes. I've listened to the whole thing or I've never started it. Yeah. And this, yeah, like, this is this kind of interesting. How it's like they have some newer style stuff, but they still throw in kind of very, like, 90s Green Day. Mm-hmm. I guess I've gotten carried away and bringing us into the whole song but we can jump ahead if you like yeah let's there's a more folky section isn't there uh yeah i think so yeah this part it's almost kind of like a very 60s kind of pop thing with a little yeah a little yeah spiel there kinksy, yeah and the doo-wop ooh-wah-oohs in the back yeah Mr. Durnt. He's got a good bass tone. I always like that kind of grindy. Mm-hmm. Not way too low-endy. Yeah, it's kind of like a precision with a pick. He, or, no, he plays a weird, like, old... He plays, like, the oldest... Precision, which is more like a Telecaster. Really? Yeah. Oh, you mean those, like, just not quite right-looking ones? Yeah, the bodies... Or the pick guard's more like a, uh, a Telecaster. And then mm-hmm. the... It's not the split pickup. It's like a single straight pickup. Mm-hmm. It's like a 58. Okay. Well, we're getting guitar center here. The guitar center <laughs> podcast. <laughs> There's a Mike Durnt guitar though. A bass that like, you can see it. It's kind of, it's cool. It's oh. like a like, country Western looking kind of bass. Huh. Very punk. Very punk. 
uh, I will say the one song that I don't that I like like there's always got to be a, a a missing link here, right? I think the next song that we go into, like the piano led just break, uh, I won't apologize. Tales from another broken heart thing. I'm like that's the one that falls apart for me. Maybe it's just that it slows down in the middle of a really fast part, but. I like this part. And I think, uh, you know, to give him credit, like, uh, like Billy Joe is certainly not, like, a, a technically brilliant guitarist, but I think he's kind of an effective guitarist. Like, he's got a very good rhythm style, and his mm-hmm. leads are, like, very melodic. I think he's got a good melodic sense with them, even though they're, like, anyone could really play him, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, he's not doing anything too complex rhythmically. Yeah. Like, this part, I think, really... is not him. They, they kind of added, like, a fourth, like, uh. offstage member at this point. But I think now he plays on stage. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. He's more like a studio guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I see that. Yeah. I didn't really think I about if, it, but... Yeah, I wonder if being, like, familiar with the stage play would make this any more... I don't want to say excusable, but any more fun. Yeah, I've never seen that. I haven't either, but... I kind of wanted to. Never came near me when I lived in rural Indiana. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I'm sure it probably came here and I just didn't go, but I'm not a big like show tunes guy. Sure. Uh, I should say that song came to us from Mike Sweet. Thank you very much, Mike. Thanks, Mike. All, All right. right. I'm going to preface this next band because I've been told by friends of mine, you know, who like a lot of the same stuff I do that you got to check these guys out. And... um. There's certain bands that I think if they had different names, I would have checked them out before. Like, oh, yeah. shout out to Diarrhea Planet. That's a good band <laughs> um, that I finally checked out. I was like, Jesus Christ. Why are you called Diarrhea Planet? Um, <laughs> and this one isn't as bad as Diarrhea Planet's like really bad. Um, it's certainly no local Minneapolis noise rock, Kings, Gay Witch Abortion. That's a, a great <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> but uh, this band, I don't know. I just like the name is kind of annoying to me. Um, but I dug this. It, it's cool. It's King Lizard and the Gizzard Wizard, um, who are no, you know, kind of they're they're pretty popular. Um, and I have yeah, some buddies yeah. that are Almost. really into King, this. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Oh, sorry, Matt. I just got to correct you. I'm so sorry, sorry. man. So sorry. sorry. I mean, I'm also a former member of with Andy McNamara of Game Informer of Unbelievable Jolly Machine. So really, <laughs> people in glass houses cannot throw stones. But um, that's what Billy Joel always told me. <laughs> yeah, um, true, true. Um, but uh, they, this one's cool, man. It's it's just really like I I, I mean we we'll listen to it, but I, I love like I, I, sometimes I love certain ways that things are kind of like shitty recordings, like from an mm-hmm, objective mm-hmm. standpoint, but like, I like a lot of bands like that, like uh, guided by voices or the fall and stuff like that. Like this, I love that. This is all like completely almost like maxed out in the red. There's like no, hardly any low end or high end. It's all like just this roar mm-hmm. in like the mid range. It reminds me of like who's going do in that way a little bit, hmm. but it's got a cool sound. It almost the only thing they should have done. It should have been mono. It shouldn't even have been stereo. Oh, wow. Go the whole thing. Yeah, distance, just like, huh? you know, stereos for cowards. Um, but <laughs> if they can hear it in both ears, don't <laughs> yeah, deserve no. it. No, it's just got to be one thing. Mono's actually good. I'm into mono lately. That's my new thing. I got the mm. Bob Dylan mono box set. I'm like, like stereo. Oh, wow. Stereo sucks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's listen to the song because it's cool. It's, it's just, I love the kind of like, 
just roar of this kind of like, and I, I like psychedelic shit. That's like not fancy. It's real pummeling. Like mm-hmm. it reminds me of like Hawkwind or something. Anyway, it's cool. Let's check mm. it out. Yeah, I just love this. There was this band from New York called Oneida that kind of remind, this reminds me of a little bit. Like just, I just, and I think that's like a harmonica, which I, I just like is such an unhip instrument. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, Noah Stewart suggested this song for us and said that King Giz takes many forms genre-wise, but that this is one of the best examples of their high-energy psych rock. This is Gamma Knife. Um, and I, I got to like, it's pretty important to me that uh, I've kind of got a pet theory. I've listened to King Gizzard for a few years. I think I started listening in tw- late, like, late 2015-ish when I first moved here. And uh, this was the first album. It wasn't the first song that I heard, but it was the first album that I listened to that they released afterward, and it was their eighth. Matt, they released so many damn albums. These guys like, haven't been around for that long, have they? Like 10 no, years no, no, or something? Since, yeah, I think a little bit longer than that. But yeah, like not long enough that they should be on their, you know, 16th album or, huh. or whatever they're on. They put out at least one a year. It's great because each one, uh, as Noah said, is, is pretty different. Like you're going to hear some elements of this, but this is definitely their more psych rocky stuff. If you liked this, try out anything else and you'll probably find something else to like. Like they've got very folk stuff. They've got a metal album. They've got uh, like much more poppy stuff than this it's it's like dip your toe in and you might not come out no i really i mean i do i love just this like like it's just pummeling you know what i mean like it's just yeah and i'd love to see i can imagine this live with like just like turn on a bunch of strobe lights and just like literally mm-hmm. leave them on like the whole time and like you know all the stone people just like losing their shit over it you know <laughs> um if you like this i want to i want to recommend oneida o-n-e-i-d-a um they have a song called Sheets of Easter that's just like the most insane song of all time. It's a little bit reminds me of this. But yeah, I love nice. this. I love that. I love the the kind of harmonica, but it doesn't really scan as bluesy because it's recorded like in this kind of like pushing onto the red, like semi distorted. Uh-huh. And so it's like harmonica almost has like a noise quality to it as opposed to like a bluesy quality. And I just, this this was a cool one. I really, I really, really dug this song. And like I me said, too, me too. it's one of those bands I meant to check out. And I don't know if I thought it was too cute or whatever, but. Mm-hmm. Um, this is cool. This is a, is a, is a cool band for sure. It really is. You should uh, go back to their album, uh, Mind Fuzz. No, I'm in your mind fuzz. It was the one a couple previous to this. It was the first one I heard, and uh, it reminds me. And you'll like this. It reminds me a lot of Blue Oyster Cult. Whoa, whoa. yeah. Now we're talking. I mean, I, I, I got to pull up. I got to pull up Blue Oyster Cult on a on an episode coming up. You, uh, you really do. do. You got to do. do it. No spoilers. Kings, uh, the kings. Um, so, so this song, yeah. it's not known for its diversity or where it goes. Yeah, it's yeah. No, of, this is this is great. So we, I th- let's, I let's, this we is should really keep it moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so our next song, confirm that it's actually the next one we're doing. Yes, uh, is by the guitarist Pliny. It is called Impulse Voices, and Richard Heron suggested this song for us. Thank you so much, Richard. So yeah, I don't I don't know I don't know this this guy well. Um, I get the sense he might be in that sort of almost like guitar kind of magazine kind mm-hmm. of zone a little bit. Um, I, can, I get that feeling too. He definitely it's interesting to me because like I kind of grew up in guitar magazines and, and like I don't know who what dudes back then that you know were always in guitar mags like you know Steve Vai and Paul Gilbert and mm-hmm. you know people like that. And I didn't really buy their records. It was just like they were always having articles in those magazines and like. It's kind of interesting how this stuff has evolved because this is, is definitely more. Uh, it's not as maybe as like metal based as those guys, or, or 
or jazz fusion based. You know, it's, you can tell mm-hmm. this guy probably like listened to Radiohead growing up or something like that. You know, sure. Yeah, it, like, it has some jazz fusion to it. I would say. Yeah, it's got a real groove to begin with. And I talked over the drop, but I think that's pretty important to the song is because like it sort of hides what it is in that first minute or so, uh, where it's just very groovy and you know, really skittery drum beat, and then it just drops with a like not quite metal obviously but more heavy section of the song yeah uh, and it's i think of my only real cultural touchstone for it is chan but like the math rock band chan and sort of that the genre that they're one of the uh, most prominent acts of or were in the like mid-aughts and i think there are so many of these guitarists that are just so damn good like how much music can they be making that's like actually good rather than just technically impressive we've talked before about yeah. how like uh, like Jacob Pistorius is a great bassist, wonderful bassist. I do not listen to his music for pleasure. You know, I listen to it maybe to study. Ugh. I listen to it for like to be impressed, but I don't listen to it because it's like fun, nice music. It's just really, it's a performance more than it is music to me. Yeah, my first bass teacher, God, he was, he was cool as hell actually, but like he really, he wanted me to learn Jaco so bad. And I was just like, I was like 12. <laughs> and it was just like, I was, trying, I was trying to like 12, 13. I mean, I... I had pretty good chops for a little kid, and I think he was trying to push me, but it's like, I was trying to learn, like, Birdland by, like, freaking Weather Report, I'm just like, <laughs> Jesus, dude, like, Bro, I just wanted what? to, like, I just wanted to learn, like, you know, Metallica <laughs> songs yeah. or something, you know, which aren't, weren't necessarily easy, but, like, Birdland, like, that fusion stuff just for a kid that's, like, like, and this stuff is a little more fusion-y, I think it's got a little more space to it, mm-hmm. kind of, and you can tell, I bet this guy is totally, like holding back on this song you know what i mean like sure this is yeah. pretty actually pretty sedate like i bet this guy in concert probably just goes like, wild you know what i mean but yeah uh, yeah but i, I mean I, I dig it like you know a lot of this kind of guitar bag stuff like holds me to a bit of a distance but um yeah but it's, it's interesting that he's kind of incorporating like some electronic music stuff and you know stuff like radiohead and you know mm-hmm. and i mean probably be cool to see live just gonna i'm sure his whole band is just like absolutely like killer like session guys gotta be and it's out in a whisper right <laughs> our next <laughs> i see the next one this next one is a piece of work man this it, is uh, man i i look forward to knowing what you thought about this one yeah um it, it, it's it's very um <laughs> it's very Japanese, you know what I mean? It's very uh I always think the Japanese uh musicians have an interesting way of synthesizing like American music and and other, you know, world music and European music and stuff into this I don't know, it's like they're kind of obeying like some of the conventions of 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 tradition, you know, like American music, but they always they put things together in such a way that is is very sort of, can be sort of jarring, but yet at the same time uh-huh. it's it's very like poppy. Like this has some really extreme stuff, but at the, at the same time it has a very like almost like J pop kind of like sensibility mm-hmm. to it. At the same time, and it, I, I, it's a hard thing to express. And I think it might be so like you know cultural to the, to the way that um, Japanese musicians think and, and the way that they kind of combine genres in their head that maybe I can't really access you know myself but mm-hmm. uh it's impressive because this thing like you know it starts off it almost sounds like it's gonna be kind of like a j-pop song and then it gets into like you know kind of <laughs> like death metal and and then it's kind of like you know new metal and then it almost has like a part that could be like something off of like jesus of suburbia so it's just it's it's wild <laughs> like it goes all over the place 
Um, so yeah, well, you introduce this it is... and tell you know tell who picked it. I'm I'm just John right yeah. now. Nope, that's what this podcast is all about. This is Maximum the Hormone with Yoshu Fukshu, uh, suggested to us by Frederick Fjordel Vinsa. Thank you very much, Frederick. Um, I love 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 this song. Just to preface it, like, who boy. I mean, I, I I thought this was gonna be such a different song at this point. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was cool, but I was like, I was not prepared for what was coming. The harmonies are just so delicate. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was gonna be kind of like a pop, you know, thing, mm-hmm. and then, then dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> like i only started uh, listening to japanese rock like intentionally or on purpose in the last few years maybe formerly it's just what i'd hear in anime like opening and closing credits uh and like you i'm constantly surprised at just how like varied the genre smashing can get like right now we're in a spoken word section you know alongside that baseline let's go it's almost it's, like a like, little limp biscuit almost like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to say it was about, it's a little Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> yeah. This is a cool part. Yeah, this is totally like, you know, gonna like. Like very like early 2000s. Mm hmm. Like, like systems first. Yeah, right yeah, totally. Yeah. Like that dance, that four on the floor hi hat thing, always gets me in metal. Oh, like the almost kind of like disco kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and now we've just completely lost the reins. <laughs> yeah. But but you know even even in 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 their most extreme parts as as, as opposed to a band that we did earlier on the show, uh, Opeth or something like that. Like mm-hmm. it's it has a certain bubblegum quality to it. You know what I mean? To me, even in a, in a good way. Yeah. Like it, it's 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 very poppy to me. Even as it's like the most screaming or crazy, it, it has a certain like sense of like hookiness. Yeah, like there's the hooks you're talking about. I mean, honestly, like if you took away the kind of screaming quality of the singing. This melody and guitar part could totally be on Jesus of Suburbia. Yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> I think we found Jesus of Suburbia and then found the Japanese version of Jesus of Suburbia for this episode. Like, just imagine Billy Joe singing this melody line. Yeah. Maybe not this part. Well, I mean, maybe not that one. <laughs> Trey Cool would be taxed a little bit at that part. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wanted to, I, I know I texted you about this today, but uh, if anyone digs this band, there's a band that uh, called Yakamanta Sonic Titan. 
Um, they're actually Canadian um, from Toronto, I believe. But they're hmm. uh, many of the band I think are um, a Japanese uh, origin, and uh, they're a little bit more out there and a little more prog. But they have the same kind of weird, kind of like gen- genre bending, uh, very extreme kind of changes kind of stuff. I think I basically I think if you like the aesthetic of this, you might you would dig Yakamata Sonic Tight. Mm-hmm. And I've listened to a little bit of uh, Maximum the Hormone outside of this, and like it's not all this crazy and like flip floppy. It's occasionally more straightforward, like rock and hard and punk stuff, and occasionally more poppy stuff. Like they have the skill set for both, and it's just interesting that somebody picked the song that that includes all of those sensibilities. Oh yeah, and I gotta love a good bass arpeggio. Just <laughs> hell yeah, outro. definitely. All right, that's Yoshi Fukushu. <laughs> I like the I like this this transition we're making is very good to the next song. Um, uh, we are going from a very very obscure Japanese band to perhaps the least obscure artist. In the Currently entire world. Alive. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think, uh, yeah, it's Taylor Swift, um, Cruel Summer. Uh, I don't know who suggested this. Um, this is from Michael Moran. We actually had a couple Swifties in the Menchies, okay. if you will. Nice. Uh, and they suggested different songs, and I'm, I'm glad they did, because I don't listen to much Swift, but yeah, this was I've, a pleasant listen. I've, uh, I've tried, you know, I something about her, I can't quite get my arms around. Mm. Not that I mean, not that it's like you know hard to understand. It's just I, I, I just know so many people that are so obsessive about her. Um, even people mm-hmm. like my age, you know what I mean. And and uh, I, I guess I wish I could kind of hear what they're hearing. But on the other hand, this song is very good. I did listen to a bunch of her stuff one day just to kind of like I don't know, maybe it was when that last album came out. And there was one song in her album Red called All Too Well that is like a just a beautiful kind of like kind of classic like heartbreak song. That I was like, wow, she's like. She is a good songwriter. And this, I would say that mm-hmm. I'm not like actively a fan, but um, a friend of mine has been getting kind of into, he owns a studio here in town and he's been getting into kind of trying to make like more, you know, pop music and stuff like that with like a lot of synths hmm. and things. And like, it's given me a greater appreciation just because we talk about recording a lot and he's very into Taylor Swift and a lot of the stuff like that. And um, uh-huh. I mean, the craftsmanship of it, the sound of it, just how, you know, big it sounds, how like polished it sounds. I think the synth textures on this are really good, but it's, it's Cruel Summer. Probably still the second best song called Cruel Summer. Not as good as a Bananarama Cruel Summer, <laughs> but um, it's still a good Cruel Summer. Um, let's, uh, I don't know. What did you think about it? Uh, I thought, hey, I thought more of it than I thought I would. Let's say that. We'll kick into the song and dig into our thoughts in a sec. But like, I mean, this is cool. Like, those are cool sounds. I like that. That kind of yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because I was gonna. Um, Jack Antonoff. Does that name ring a bell, Matt? Yeah, he's like a big pop producer. Yeah, yeah. So he was a part of that band, Fun, that had the big uh, Some Nights and Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Young okay. Songs. Yeah. So, so he was the guitarist, oh. slash one of the composers and producer for that. And he crossed paths with uh, Taylor Swift back in like 13, 14. I forget. Uh, and ended up producing some songs for one of her albums. And ever since then, they've just sort of been a duo of production and songwriting. And I think he's just got, he's got it. 
like whatever your friend your recording friend is is pursuing he could do worse than studying what jack antonoff does yeah no he's, he's, he's just a, got this he's a big fan he's a big fan yeah he's a, it's my friend neil i think he's on soundcloud it's called bluebell beats and he just kind of mm-hmm. puts up like beats that he makes i think he, he puts some beats up on like licensing services and stuff but um yeah this this song to me is an example of like i listened to antonoff stuff before he was paired up with taylor swift before he was doing a whole lot of external production work and this song not to give all the credit to him like she's she's the performer right but this song is an example of of the style that they've created like it's those fun unique sounds like the synths that we started with yeah uh that like those alone land kind of like hooks even amid like the melancholy vibes that the song's story is telling you know about like love and loss Mm -hmm. and sort of like fleeting uh engagement and stuff those kinds of things paired with these like sort of sickly sweet synths that aren't way too cotton candy they aren't way too sugary it's just a perfect balance yeah and and honestly just like the more i get into recording i just appreciate like how hard it is to make something sound this effortless and like how hard it is for for um i mean i think good pop artists make it sound easy and i I certainly do agree that she's a great pop artist and and like just to project that kind of feeling to a large group of people and, and that kind of uh, uh-huh. personality and and I think I mean from what I understand I've, I've read a few things with her and you know I, I think she's like she's you know I do want to scale I mean I know Antonoff's a great producer but I mean it, my sense mm-hmm. is that she's very much the songwriter and right, that, right. that she's like not you know a uh, and I know her new album is kind of maybe going away from this kind of stuff it's more of a folky kind of thing um, but I mean she's certainly I mean she's very talented and like I said that All Too Well song I was really blown away it was almost like to me like classic like Fleetwood Mac kind of songwriting and um mm-hmm. so i mean this I think, is one of those songs you just hear it and like it's a hit be humming it. it's a hit yeah. you know what i mean like you, you you can't argue with hits at, at the end of the day like certain songs are just like 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 uh we were doing the the van halen podcast uh, a few weeks ago and like jump is just a hit yeah you know you, that's, you hear that's jump out of the box blast and this yeah. this has that somewhat similar quality i think like you can't like you you hear these songs you're just like well yeah that's gonna be a hit period for sure you know what i mean so for sure so i definitely I, I appreciated that yeah i was surprised i I'd sort of i've always been a little bit cynical about taylor swift uh just because of like the presence and sort of uh reputation she had no pun intended the reputation she has among a whole lot of like the more cynical side of music criticism and of pop culture but like i cannot argue with what i'm hearing right maybe the person behind it is somebody that you don't have taste for but the only reason that I don't listen to Taylor Swift is because I'm just telling myself that I don't listen to Taylor Swift, right? I'm, I'm not like a, an Uber fan, but the like, there's nothing in that music that would stop me from listening to it. At least what I've heard. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I mean it's a you know it's a hell of a pop song for sure. It is. Uh, thank you again to Michael Moran for that one. Um, our next one is again the, going back to the production thing. Butch Walker is a pretty well known. Uh, composer, excuse me, songwriter, singer, composer. Um, this is actually the first song of his I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> it is. I, I'm I'm just laughing because it's so weird. Um. Uh, uh, that I I literally had never heard of this guy before, and I get a magazine called Tape Op. It's a a, a recording mm-hmm. magazine, and it I just like two days ago read an interview with him. It was like a profile huh. about more him as like a producer, and they taught they they touched on his solo career as well, but um. And I was like, it was an interesting article. Like, you know, he does a lot of stuff, I think, in the kind of Americana and like, you know, maybe more rootsy side of country uh, as a producer. Sure. And he had an interesting story. You know, he was, he started really young. 
I can't remember the name. It was something gang, slam gang or something. I don't know what the heck it was. But, uh, you know, he we, he was really young, like 18, and he kind of got in this, like, hair metal band. And I think that might be, like, sort of referred to in the song. And then, you know, just went, he got signed to a major label, and there was just tons of bands being signed back then. And, of course, like, it went nowhere. And he kind of, like, regrouped and kind of reinvented himself in, in sort of the more, like, you know, roots rock and folk and country kind of space. But, uh, I mean... I would say that you you listen to the song and like you can tell he's a producer because it's the arrangement and just the the production and the sound quality of everything is very is very cool and it, it, I thought it was cool you know it's kind of an autobi- autobiographical song yeah uh, this is going back slash going home by Butch Walker suggested by Chris Logan uh, there was actually a, a nice little comment thread in the Patreon suggestions between Chris and another supporter named Robbie Flanagan about discovering another Butch Walker lover in the community which is. Honestly, one of the best feelings I've ever found is finding somebody who loves just what you love in a place you did not expect it. Uh, So once again, this is Butch Walker's Going Back, Going Home. But this, these sound, I mean, I love this arrangement here. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not happy with myself these days. He's got a good voice, too, really does, you know. Yeah, he's kind of like squeezing it out, and I think that's part of the style. And this, red this guy, I guess, I guess I lied. I had heard him sing. He's on a Fallout Boy track from Infinity on High. Uh, your favorite, Matt? Um, that's an odd connection. Yeah, he he sings like a couple lines on one of the songs from that record, um, and I, then he ended up producing some of their music later down the road, but. Uh, yeah, that's that's the only connection I've got. Um, yeah, it's it's a cool. I'll, I'll borrow you the magazine. It's 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 interesting. Yeah, interesting. He seems like a really cool guy. That's kind of like had his, you know, uh, a colorful life. Let's say <laughs> you know what I mean. But he yeah, seems like he's in yeah, a good place like, now. And you said you said uh, I don't know if you mentioned this, but this song or this album was released after his house in Miami burned down. Uh, in oh a wildfire, yeah, he, not Miami, somewhere in California. Yeah, he talked about that. Uh, and like all of his masters and most of his belongings were burned, and I think. I think this song kind of reflects those emotional states in the bridge. It's just like documenting his life from 1969 to the present day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like sparse and reflective and just, just kind of weird. He talks about like a sex addiction he had. It's, it comes kind of out of nowhere. And to me, that's like, if my house burned down, what kind of feelings would I have? Yeah. The sex uh, addiction part was a little like weird, a little jarring, it but is. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, you know, he didn't get too into like, you know, behind the music kind of like gossip stuff, but. I mean, I think the dude was like signed to a hair metal band when he was like twenty, so in the eighties. Right. So and like, if, you know, do the like, math on like gonna... what what kind exactly. of lifestyle uh, those bands were living back then. You know what I mean? Trying to be like the next Motley Crue or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I. <laughs> but I just I love <laughs> there's there's so many like nice like just like that guitar tone is good. Like all the tones are good. The mix mm-hmm. is so good. It, it's very like three D, but very like vivid and i don't know it, it, it's very much a producer's record you can just tell you know what i mean yeah yeah everything's pretty well balanced in here i was like two tmi but that's okay yeah cool, good, good good for you <laughs> took his penicillin is that like yeah that's like is he saying that he contracted that, yeah, 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 yeah. a he got the clap yeah yeah that is that's tmi on top of tmi Butch, thank you though. It is like I do enjoy this song. It's it's folkier than I thought his stuff was going to be based on the production work he'd done, but 
you know, it's not that it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, I guess I've always felt that, like, for engineers and producers, that, like, the good ones are able to really tailor what they do to the artists that they're working with. You know what I mean? And, and, and so I'm sure when he's with Fallout Boy, he understands, like, what they're going for. And when he's mm-hmm. with a country artist, he understands what they're going for. And Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like they're trying to, like, shoehorn them into a certain thing. You know, they're trying to, like, may- maybe enable the band to, like, be the best version of what they're trying to be. All right. That was Mr. Butch Walker with Going Back, Going Home, a song suggested to us. Scrolling back up by Chris Logan. Thank you again, Chris. Um, I really, I cannot state more how much I love this next song we're about to get into. Yes. Well, and it's it's also tied to um, a few episodes ago we did, you know, it was just you and me and you did a pick. And obviously uh, this artist, Phoebe Bridgers, is, is very much kind of tied to... Uh, Lucy Dacus, or I mean, I feel like they're kind of contemporaries in that way, obviously. Oh yeah. I mean they're in a super group band, right? Yeah. They're in Boy absolutely. Genius. Yeah. Um yeah, this is this is this is good. Uh I mean she's she's a very let's let's uh let's play it and, and start start chatting about her. For sure. Garden Song by Phoebe Bridgers came to us from Kevin Fry. I actually remember uh when I first heard her, um it was a song uh, called Motion Sickness. Um, that's a really mm-hmm. amazing song, and it's uh, I, <laughs> the Germans should have a word for like this feeling when you have an irrational dislike of somebody, and then it it proves out that they actually are horrible, and then you have a certain <laughs> satisfaction. That song was about Brian uh, Ryan Adams, uh, who Ooh. turned out to be a super creep, and it, it's I, I loved it because it was like it was about him. You could tell, and it was like, oh my god. And then all that stuff about him being a creep came out. And it's like I knew it. I knew you were bad news. <laughs> but that, like, that was just an absolutely amazing song. And this is just like, I mean, thousands. Like, yeah. Like, what is there to say about this song? It's just like so beautifully understated. It never really builds or drops. It plays so well with like her airy vocals against. You know, there's the suggestion of a rhythm in that like four four going on, but with yeah. like. It's all buried in the low end with hollow reverb. I love it. Oh, and I don't know if you read the story of uh, the low voice. When you were listening to this song right now, Zencaster is betraying us, but uh, the low voice, yes. like the way down octaves. Yeah, I heard that, yeah. Yeah, so that's apparently, <laughs> I can't find any confirmation for this, but she said in an interview that that is uh, a Dutch man named Jerowin, who is uh, his her tour manager. Oh, interesting. Yeah, she said that she, that he sounded like a, a Dutch Matt Berninger from the from the National, and decided to put him on the record. And it man, it fills out that low end real well. This also was a um, 
a quarantine album, which I wonder five years down the road how I'm going to feel about this this music. Have you had those thoughts about like yeah, music well, that's coming out now that you're discovering now how it'll be remembered? Yeah, I mean it's a different. It's, we live in weird times, man. Before we, but this is, yeah, I mean honestly, this is a very pretty song, and, and she's a great lyricist. She's a great singer. Um, you know, I, mm-hmm. it, I don't know how. But it, this chorus is great. It must be something in the water. Everything's growing in our garden. Yeah, no, this is great. We should we we probably need to start moving a little faster here, but um, you know. I guess I have less to say about this song. It's just it's very self-explanatory and it's, it, it's it very, does it speaks for itself. She's, she's she's a great she's a good writer. She's a writer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'll cut us back then. Sorry, Phoebe. Uh, uh, Super Boom. Yeah. So this. Sorry. I have a. This is Annabella Lewin is a very interesting person, and, and we can see even we want to start the song, but her her backstory is is, is quite interesting actually. Um, okay, I'll get us kicking. And and one thing I will say about I like about this is this is from 2012. What? Yes. This is no Matt. I'm yes, sorry. No, this seriously. is the inverse of the rule we had from the beginning. This song is from like 1983. No. <laughs> that's that's the thing though about this song is there's a lot of stuff that like is always like very 80s influenced, but it never truly mm-hmm. sounds like the 80s to me. It always sounds like new stuff that's kind of trying to like approximate the 80s, where this truly sounds like the 80s, and. Just the tones of everything, you know. But uh, yeah. So I, I just wanted to break down her a little bit. She um, she has a very interesting story. She's Burmese. Um, she lived in England uh, in in the late seventies, early eighties, and um, she was in a band called Bow Wow Wow. Um, they had a hit called "I Want Candy" that you may have heard. Um, Is that "I Want Candy"? Yep. Dun, dun, dun. yep. That's that's them. Yeah. Wow. And so she was actually um, uh, managed by Malcolm McLaren, who was an English guy uh, that actually was the guy behind the Sex Pistols and their whole like kind of scandalous reign uh, and, and self-destruction. And then his next thing was Bow Wow Wow. And um, so McLaren is like is kind of an interesting like uh, provocateur, as they would say. He's also kind of a creep. And... Um, so he kind of put together Bow Wow Wow. A couple of the guys were in Adam and the Ants with Adam Ant. And um, they, they use a lot of Burundi drumming. She's Burmese. And uh, mm-hmm. Burundi's drumming is kind of African drumming style. Um, anyway, but I think that, you know, uh, she was a, a very attractive, like, young girl. And, like, very sexualized in Bow Wow Wow's, like, press photos and album covers and stuff in, like, a really, like, fucked up way. And when I when Ew. I say young, I don't mean like seventeen. I mean fourteen. Ugh. Yeah. I mean like. So I think she's talked about that and, and kind of had to leave the band and stuff. So you know she she got through it and survived. And, and actually the, the Bow Wow Wow records are really fun, kind of like cool new wave pop records, like somewhat similar to this. So but yeah. So she's she's done I guess a few solo albums, but but like this such an awesome chord. Yeah. Like she's she's a great singer and like you know. I didn't think you could make something sound so 80s in like 2012 as this does. So yeah, she's she's been around and uh, seen a lot of stuff, I would imagine. They should have been in Vice City. 
Oh man, can you imagine? <laughs> In one of the radio These stations. Long power yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I really like this song. It's all about the rhythm for me. Yeah, this one. it's great. It's great. And she's a good singer. Oh yeah, she has a wonderful voice. But yeah, especially so that's, for that's, this specific uh, type. And of music. the Bow Wow Wow records are good. Like they're they're really fun, kind of like eighties like pop with kind of like world music influences. It, it, they're they're fun records. They're good. Nice. Uh, so this has been Super Boom by Annabelle and Lewin. Uh, that comes to us from Gabriel Cleveland. Mr. Cleveland, thank you. Let's jump into our next selection from Carter Hansen. This is Animals as Leaders. It is the song Tooth and Claw. I'll get some serious riffs coming up here. Yeah. I think these guys practice. I don't know. Sounds pretty improvisational <laughs> yeah, to me, yeah. Matt. <laughs> so are you similarly to with, because this is not, you know, a world away from Pliny, which we heard earlier. Is this sort of in that same space for you? Sort of like math rocky metal, sort of groovy? Yeah, I mean. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I just, that, I listen to these things and I like just. You know, with my own uh, substandard chops, I just imagine like <laughs> no, my fingers hurt just just thinking about those lines. Yeah, I just don't. Uh, I don't know. It's, le- it's I guess I I, I kind of dig these bands just on the sense of like it's cool to see like a guy like drive a motorcycle through a flaming hoop or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like wow, like look at what they can do or like like athletes you know or like lebron james or something i get the same feeling listening to this as i do like listening to i don't know chance the rapper or kendrick lamar people of like similar ages to me of my generation and some younger and it's like what am i doing with my life (laughs) where 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 did i turn that these people became so successful and and creatively fulfilled yeah it's kind of with these bands too i always kind of like when i hear them i was like oh i'd I'd like to It'd be cool just to like see them live, just to mm-hmm, kind of see it mm-hmm. done in, in real time and, and see like how impressive that is. But I mean, it's cool. I mean, I, and I wouldn't say like I think they have some kind of cool like melodical sense and um, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, not crazy about guitarist. that. Guy. That's one thing with new metal. I, I don't love the kind of like real like pneumatic drill, like double bass drum kind of thing as much. I wish there was a little more. Mm-hmm. I like the parts where it's more grooving, like you know, like this, but. Yeah, man, these dudes can play for sure, for sure, for sure. The lead singer, or excuse me, lead guitarist is a is a guy named Tosin Abasi, who eventually did like designed his own guitar and his own gear and stuff, just because he got that technical into it. That's a sign to me that like, wow. all right, he takes this whole art of playing guitar thing very, very serious. I, I totally heard this. I was like, somebody plays like a seven or eight string guitar in this thing. Oh yeah, for sure. There's no way the bass player has four strings. Like, absolutely zero. <laughs> zero chance he has four strings. He's not just using a pick or, even, or even two five fingers strings for this. I bet he has like a six-string bass or something like that. Easy, yeah. I knew a guy when I was in middle high school who only played with a seven-string bass. And honestly, it wasn't that good. He was just playing like complicated guitar parts in a really low, muddy texture. But like he was trying stuff like this, you know. And it's it's a form that you cannot do on a typical instrument. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm sure that probably put this kind of how good these guys are in relief too. It's like when you when you see somebody trying and failing to do that stuff, it's literally the worst shit of all time because like <laughs> yeah. like you can't do this. It has to be perfect, right? It has to be like you have to be so there with the chops to like 
yeah. to do what these guys are doing. And like, there's a lot of kids I think that try to emulate this, and it's just like they're not there. Yeah, this part you gotta I be like locked. This part. This is cool. I like the guitar though. Yeah, man, these guys are crazy. Like, uh, they are. They are. But next year, our next band's crazy as well. It is. Uh, fun fact: This is like the breaking point between the songs that Matt shuffled out and the songs that I shuffled out. I think I got the like. You got all the songs that I might have known. <laughs> you got like the Taylor Swifts and the Green Days and stuff, and I got a lot of stuff that I had never heard of before, which I loved. Uh, but this next song uh, is by Liturgy. Uh, it comes to us from Crunch Monkey, and it is called Sahem's Lament. Yeah, this one was surprising to me, and we can get into it here, uh, you know. Uh... But I'd heard, like, when Liturgy first came out, there was kind of, like, this, like, hipster black metal, like, them and, like, Death Heaven and stuff. And it was basically, like, mm-hmm. like we like black metal, but we listen to, like, My Bloody Valentine or something like that. And uh, this is way different. Like, it, it's way more almost, like... It reminds me of some, like, 20th century classical music, almost. Wow. Uh, dive into that. I mean... I just feel like these piano parts remind me of like they're kind of chopped up, but like almost like Philip Glass or something. I don't know. I feel like hmm. it, it's kind of. I mean, I guess they're still a metal band, but I hear like drum machines and piano, and it, it's not. Yeah, this is interesting. I really found this interesting. There's a part here coming up where it all kind of like sinks. The piano's really cool. Oh, I, I love yeah. this song. Oh, that's it. When the little recorders or flutes mm-hmm. come in, that's when this song just like, it's like a birth. It's like complete chaos and missing pieces and sort of like holy production to begin with. And then that hits and it just all starts to click. And then, you know, it becomes a metal song. Eventually. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I really musically I love this I will say that you know I have friends that got really into black metal and stuff and like I I remember liking like Transylvania Hunger by Dark Throne which was recommended to me um, mm. it's sort of a classic of the genre I mean there's two things with black metal A I don't have the appetite to try to like do a bunch of internet research to find out who's like a Nazi um, <laughs> which is like Unfortunately, like, no. legi- I mean, it, it really is. I mean, you know, like, Burzum and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and then I just, I don't love that. I don't love the kind of banshee kind of scream thing. The, the vocals mm-hmm. just kind of. Like, I like this, but if it had different vocals, I would absolutely be, like, bonkers for it. Really? Mm-hmm. So it's just that piece that needs to fall into place for you. Yeah, I just don't find that texture that great. But I mean, I, I, I not that it prevents me from liking it. I just, I, it's mm-hmm. just not. And, and it's very similar across all the black metal stuff I've heard. Is that that kind of, you know? And it yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it's just hard for me. Um, and it was sort of the same with like death metal and like Cookie Monster vocals. You know what I mean? Um, did uh, did Liturgy's older stuff? This is different, but did their older stuff have that too? Yeah, it would. Their old stuff is at least the stuff I heard. I don't even know like what album they're on or whatever. It was it was it was more conventional like black metal than this. It was still arty for mm, black metal, okay. but this is like he's really I mean or she has come a long way, um, and uh, it, it's really um, it's impressive. I think so too. 
so that's been yeah, yeah. Sahim's Lament. We're going to scooch forward to the next song, which, uh, Matt, you said you knew this Oh, my God. Okay. So I, you, you intimated that you knew him. Yes. Um, who, I'm just going to play who, the song uh, underneath. Who suggested this? This, is, this comes to us from Keaton Johnson. Thank you, Keaton. So I've literally almost selected this album before and then i really? just i just didn't know if it would vibe with the guest or i i don't know and then like jazz is always kind of like uh so i i love this band i i saw him at the turf club maybe like a year and a half two years ago um oh cool absolutely one of the best shows i've seen in the last like te- decade at least um so um this guy uh the leader shabaka hutchings um, his father was a jazz musician. Um, he's from England. His jazz was Ash- uh, Ashley Hutchings. Um, he is kind of uh, sort of the vanguard of, like, uh, I think a new movement in jazz. There's a lot of great stuff in London happening in jazz right now. And, and, and also, like, you know, uh, in America, like Kamasi Washington, Robert Glasper, Makaya mm-hmm. uh, McRaven. Makaya McRaven, yeah. You um, told me about him some months ago. Uh, Jeff Parker and the New Breed. Um but yeah, so it's a three-piece. It's basically a guy with like analog synths, and then uh, Shabaka on um, a saxophone and a drummer. And like, I, I just like the way it's sort of a newer generation. I think that kind of incorporates like you know, I think Shabaka's probably in his late thirties. So like you know, he came up in in England, especially like with the rave culture and electronic music culture and dance culture. And I think they they just they they incorporate a lot of cool elements from that stuff into jazz. Um, I just can't say enough about the guy. He's also got other bands, uh, um, Sons of Kemet, uh, Shabaka and the Ancestors. Like all the stuff he does is amazing. I, uh, to me, incredible he, names of these groups. Yeah, Sons of Kemet is great. It's more kind of like African kind of percussion and stuff, but uh, very diverse. And but like I, this record is just absolute classic to me. I, I love this record, and, and so you know, thanks for suggesting this. Night. I mean, I think you would dig it. These like I, I think, I mean, uh, I would just encourage people like you know, jazz kind of gets a. Uh, I love this group, sorry. I think, I think jazz gets kind of a bad rap uh, because I don't think it gets a lot of attention. And so people just sort of like, uh, it's just like, it's kind of like just this trad, like kind of old people's thing. And there's, there's actually a ton mm-hmm. of like energy in jazz right now. And, and a lot of people pushing it in different ways. Everyone from like this to like Robert Glasper has done a lot of stuff with like kind of more hip hop. Kamasi Washington has elements of like kind of P-funk and you know 70s yeah, yeah. funk and so it, it's just it, it's been really cool for me in the last like five ten years like just seeing so much cool stuff in jazz and, and, and i don't think you need to be a jazz fan to even like this you know like the turf club was absolutely no, like not. it was like a dance party you know what I mean? people was all these kids huh. just going nuts you know what i mean so that's nice to hear because like I, I listened to this i put this one on shuffle obviously and came up with it and I was like, without looking at the song title, I was like, man, this sounds like music to drink blood to. Like, I might hear this if I were, like, one of the vampires in the opening scene of Blade. Yeah. Like, that I would that I'd be just raving and vibing to this. Yeah. It's... And then I look at the song title, and it's Blood of the Past by The Comet Is Coming. Yeah, and I mean, even some kind of 90s industrial, almost like Nine Inch Nails kind of yeah. textures and stuff. Like, it, it's cool. Yeah, that, like... That super grimy bass tone is really good. I really love that. Well, that's um, that's like a that's like a probably a, a, a Moog synthesizer. Oh, that's a Moog, huh? Yeah, like it, the guy has a bunch of like old school like analog synths, so it's just a three piece. There's no basses. Uh. And you know, even like this kind of like hip hop spoken word kind of thing. Like, I just mm-hmm. I, I literally I can't say enough about Chewbacca Hutchings. Anything he does, Makai um, McCraven's also great. Um, you know, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of cool people doing stuff. Uh, Zara, Zara McFarlane. 
Um, so yeah, I just uh, you know, yeah. it's kind of a cool movement in jazz. That's that's way less stuffy and, and way less you know like Wynton Marcellus or whatever you know. Definitely, definitely. So right. um, the groove of this really hit with me, and I want to recommend to listeners if you like this, listen to uh, Moon Hooch or Mopo, uh, specifically their album Mopocalypse. They are both very like groovy, like something about them. I guess uh, Moon Hooch calls themselves um, cave music, and it's just like loud, boisterous dance type. They're both really funky, and they're both uh, like reed led bands so saxophones and uh clarinets and stuff both really good recommend cool. those highly right. thanks again keaton uh our next song is man's first inhibition from nightmare and jew featuring kid keem this came to us from jake zielsdorf um and i'm just gonna jump right into it here's where i'm gonna be the most talking out of my ass oh really that I, I, I think this is dub, dubstep, right? Because it's like, yeah, it's got that like EDM break. Yeah. Did you ever play any of the Hotline Miami games, Matt? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. This like, first, this first part could definitely be that. Sometimes you gotta be a freak to me. You gotta let the inhibitions take over, please. Yeah. See, that sounds more like what I understand. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That I'm, like I'm sort of like far from like you know. Oh, me too. Well, however far you are from dubstep, I'm another step behind you. <laughs> but I will say I, I did enjoy this. Like it has enough fun rhythms that it's playing with, uh, and it gets out of like, tra- a trend that I think if mainstream rap hasn't and hip hop haven't already adopted a lot of it, I feel like it's headed there. It's like the balancing the, the sorry the drop. Yeah, that kind of bass, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like a balance of that EDM slash electronica with like a boom bap and the flow of the vocals that are in this song. They're not, it's not a lot, but it's just enough to like complement the beat really well. Yeah. I don't know. Is this, is this, is this ringing to anything that you've heard in modern rap and hip hop that's not like uh, explicitly I mean, EDM? You know, I think that, I think in general, like rap has been very synthy in the last like decade at least. Um, mm. But I mean, it, definitely feels edm to me in a certain way i mean i know like waka faka flame has kind of gone into edm now okay i mean the other thing with this stuff too is like i just i feel like it's like you know uh experiential to the fact where i, I don't know if you can fully get it i feel like you need to be in like a field with like twenty thousand people like you know <laughs> doing ecstasy and like just having the sound system just you know try to stop me. a zillion watts and like you know field of stripping field your of flesh base, from your bones you know I mean, kind of thing you know i, I don't know if you uh-huh. can probably, I mean, not that it's not good to listen to but i i feel like i always feel like dance type music you know you know a lot of electronic it, 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 you might miss something because it's sort of this tribal like you know experience type thing yeah yeah definitely it's why i don't listen to a whole lot of dance music alone or like if i'm not moving just because it's not it inspires me to do things that i cannot do sitting down (laughs) i don't know i guess the production of this gets gets me like i I find that 
that slow triplet fan blade type sound. I find that coming to me as a hook almost, even though it's just a production like noise. You know, I might I might just end up being a really big EDM fan. Maybe I'll be Do a Swifty and an EDM yeah. fan. Which comes first? You're just going to be like doing the show on Molly and just like being like all lovey and stuff to me. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to do my hair in cornrows and it's going to be really, really problematic. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Moving with the money beat, feeling like Cardi. Alrighty. So that's been Man's First Inhibition by Nightmare and Zhu featuring Kid Keem. Thank you again very much to MinMax supporter Jake Zielsdorf for suggesting that one to us this episode. Um, I've got to put uh, White Max on blast a little bit because they suggested this next song saying that it probably wouldn't get picked. And little did you know, we are going completely rando on this episode. No, um, this is cool. So this, is, this yeah. I think this, I this, this one is, too. This was an interesting one. To I me. do too. Because when I was like a kid and like I would watch movies like John Hughes movies about like you know, older kids in high school. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just, this type of sound, this eighties kind of like chorusy guitar, like kind of digital delay, like very like mm-hmm. new wavy thing. I just sort of like hits a certain thing to me because it was kind of when I was first getting into music. And then there's a twist when the singing came in. Cause I was like, Oh, this is like a total like echo in the Bunnyman kind of like British, like new wave band. And then it was like, Whoa, interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll, we'll play it and let people, you know, uh, so this is Caifanes with Viento, uh, coming from White Max. Thank you so much, White Max. I, I, see that type of guitar shit, like that kind of uh-huh. Smiths kind of stuff. I just like I, it's kind of to me, uh, man. I'm so glad you said Smiths because I was going to go out on a limb and say, is this what the Smiths really sounds like? Because I don't know much of their music. But, like, it's very much that new wave sort of, like, precursor to shoegazy type sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you listen to, like, the bass and the bass drum particularly, it I like how this song balances. I, I don't know if we got all the way through it, but I like how this song balances a very, like, Mediterranean rhythm, sort of that Mexican-Spanish uh, rhythm with the flakiness and like reverb you already mentioned how like it's a chorus rock, like a chorus reverb on, on the guitar yeah uh, some of that glam rock sound and airy vocals i just love how it's structured it's built like a medi- like a traditional song uh but with uh, like all the tools of new wave mm-hmm. am i am i the one speaking out of my ass now you know i don't i don't know mediterranean I, do. I mean i don't i guess mediterranean i don't i don't yeah, there was a lot of bands like this. I just didn't expect them to sing in Spanish. And then when they did, I was like, oh, that's even cooler. Wow. Like, and I looked them up. They're from Mexico City. Um, but yeah, you know, they used to call this, like, raincoat rock, you know? Okay. Because, like, you know, guys with, like, spiky hair and, like, black raincoats. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, okay. Stuff, you know what I mean? Uh, I might have to start one of those. Yeah, yeah, those no, Smiths are great. This, this is probably even a little bit more like Echo and the Bunnymen. You, you remember mm-hmm. Donnie Darko? Yeah, yeah. Like, I love that movie. Like Killing Moon, that song. Oh, that's Echo okay, and the that's them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, that's funny. Bunnymen. Never thought about that. Yeah, that's a great song. But I, yeah, I just this. I love this stuff, and this is a great song. I actually really want to uh, 
check this band out um, just because... Yeah, all their stuff's on Spotify. I'd never heard of them before, but I'm glad White Mac introduced us to this. No, this is cool. All right, if you don't mind. Oh, no. That's right. Oh, no, is it time? The next, this is... Whoa. <laughs> What's going on, Matt? <laughs> it's because we're dropping the bomb. Oh, shit. On some certified gangster shit right now. This next song. This is some real shit. <laughs> this is, I'm right. excited about this one, baby. All right, here we go, man. Talk to him. This is his. <laughs> C.W. McCall. <laughs> Convo, baby. I love it. <laughs> so ridiculous. I love it. <laughs> Talk to him. Yeah, we definitely got the front door, good buddy. Mercy sakes alive. Looks like we've got us a convo. That's right. Fuck yeah. These verses are so fucking good. It was the dark of the moon on the I know. 6th of June in a Kenworth pulling logs. Cab over Pete with a reefer on and a Jimmy. Did you did you look up the lyrics to this on yeah. on Genius? Because like there's so many annotations oh, do, of what all these genius, words fucking no. mean. That's all like it's like trucker slang, you know? Yeah, yeah, all of it. Like he's telling a whole story. Oh. This is such a good song. It's so like I love that this song exists. Like you said, you said that there was um, was this part of a trend? Sorry, we should probably say that this is CW McCall's Convoy, uh, suggested to us by Aegis of the Grail. But Matt, you mentioned was this like a, a trend or a fad in country? Yeah, there were, I think in the seventies there was like sort of a trucker thing, like with Smoking the Bandit was a movie, and like you know, mm-hmm. CB Radio was kind of a fad, I guess. Um, yeah, them Smokies. Just there's like guys like Red Sovine and like. I says, calling old trucks. Says here's the duck. We here's a duck. Now, when he says bear, he's talking about police. That's right, Smokies, bear. I didn't know that. I'm not cool enough. You can have your. Come on, good buddy. Ten, that's a negatory. <laughs> I'm gonna start. I'm gonna like use all this slang in my daily life. Come. Yeah. Negatory, big Ben. You're still too close. Yeah, them hulk is starting to close up my sinuses. Mercy sakes, you better back off another ten. <laughs> He's literally talking about like a truck carrying pig smelling too bad. I know. Our swindle sheets and left them setting on the scales. By the time we hit that shy town, them bears was getting smart. They'd brought up some reinforcements from the Illinois National Guard. There's armored cars and tanks and jeeps and rigs of every size. Yeah, them chicken coops was full of bears and choppers filled the skies. Whoa. Well, we shot the line. He's we literally talking about like military intervention to break up their convoy. But they can't break up the convoy. That's what we're talking about. They can't about. break up the convoy. When it's we're united as a convoy. The man can't shut us down. The world could learn a lot from C.W. McCall today. This is like solidarity. And he gets some hippies on his side. Yeah, that's right. The friends of Jesus and the hippies. Uh-huh. Prepared to cross the line. I could see the bridge was lined with bears, but it didn't have a doggone dime. <laughs> we just ain't going to pay no toll. So we crashed the gate. Souls are fascist. Let them truckers roll tenfold. Tenfold. 
This is so, like this is why this is why I do this podcast, exactly. Matt, is this to is hear what, songs like this. Well, I mean, music started, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of years ago, and then it evolved to its highest form. C.W. McCall. <laughs> With C.W. McCall, and then it's convoy. been slightly downhill since then. <laughs> we have not made great strides since the last C.W. McCall record. Pitch on Man, the flip what flop. a good C.W. McCall, pick. we will catch you on the flip-flop. <laughs> okay. Great big flip-flop <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> Man, we, these are, we have some uh, amazing uh, transitions here. <laughs> yeah, so just to give everybody a primer, you might want to sit down or stand up, whatever whatever you're not doing. Uh, this is going to be Juice World with Righteous. Yeah, uh, yeah. Christopher and, uh, Reardon told us to listen to this song. Said that it's a great song, and it has uh, and it's an interesting listen with the artist's death in perspective, yeah, kind of an accidental yeah. overdose, I believe. Yeah, I um, I don't know, man. It's crazy. It's crazy with um, you know, I I, ch- I keep track of rap and hip hop pretty much, and you know, this isn't necessarily like the core of what I listen to, but I always check stuff mm-hmm. out. And like, sadly more increasingly, like, I feel like the last five years is like, I end up checking out people like, you know, after they die, you know, and it's just like, cause they, yeah, you know, that's rough. whether it was like pop smoke just died or little peep, juice world, XXX. I mean, it just like, I feel like it's a generation of these guys. that's kind of like, died before they were like 21 or whatever. It's just, it's really yeah. sad. And, and you know, I mean, this is like, yeah, I know that the truth is hard to digest. It is kind of mournful, you know? Yeah, the song is like back and forth, just talking about struggles with addiction and dependency and stuff. It's it's harrowing. Yeah, and I I, I remember I did listen to a couple of his records when he passed away. And I would say that there's a lot of stuff in this zone for sure. Um, I do feel like he had a, a, a exceptional, like, kind of a melodic sense that was maybe mm-hmm. above some of his contemporaries. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I understand, like, you know, I'm, you know, thankfully probably not in a place in life where I relate to it as much, but, um, sure. But I do appreciate, like, like just, you know, listen, like, when is my time? One thing I like about him too is I feel like he has a stronger uh, natural singing voice. Uh, so I mean, there's definitely some auto tune going on here, but it's certainly not. I know that the truth I don't think he relies on auto tune as much, maybe as a lot of the, some mm-hmm. of the other people in this kind of general genre. Yeah, yeah. There's like a very and I don't I say emo, but not like the My Chemical Romance, the used emo. I mean like '80s emo delivery to it, where it's like thick with sentiment almost to a point of sappiness that like you got to get into a specific headspace to be able to deliver vocals like well, this I think yeah and I mean based on how he uh, unfortunately passed away you know I don't I don't think this is obviously put on in any sense right you know, right I, mean, I think one thing I, I actually think I, and I, I you know man I, these kids there it's like this music is not happy you know what I mean it's not like yeah, yeah. I, I always thought when I grew up it was like you know more of a party and you know fun and, and this is just maybe it's just the times we live in you know and this is just like what young people are feeling and a lot of them are very medicated and stuff and you know um, I don't know I mean it's it's, it's obviously touching a, a very um, real place 
for you know millions and millions of kids and um right you know, just generationally you yeah know? yeah and i mean you know i don't know i mean i should right, say man. it's it's sad it's beautiful i think in a lot of ways but just really not an upper type of a song no 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 <laughs> No, but I mean, I mean, you can definitely see the talent. And the sad part is, like, you know, who knows? Like, these kids are talented, man. And like, you know, where would they be when they were like, you know, these kids are like twenty, you know? Yeah. Would they be when they're thirty? They'd be in the game for like twelve years. You know what I mean? And like, where they don't get to evolve, they don't get to change or grow. And it's actually mm-hmm. interesting. I was kind of thinking about like the weird. I feel like it, it doesn't really make sense uh, logically, but I feel like. I feel like, uh, you know, somebody from more, you know, my time was like, that. that's probably an underrated influence on hip hop, especially lately, is like Kurt Cobain. Oh, from yeah. From Nirvana. I just, I feel like he had that same kind of real morose kind of, uh, you know, quality to him, you know, that, that I think kind of, mm-hmm. I connect it to this, even though they're, the musically it's very different, you know, I don't know. Yeah, for but sure. Yeah, rest in peace, Juice World. He was a, he was a talented kid for sure. All right. Our next song was suggested by Scott McRae, who suggested Namdi's Wasted. So I'll start into that, and Matt, let me know what you thought. I really like this a lot, actually. This is just very haunting, kind of. Yeah, kind of like a that dissonant, like whistle sound. Another thing too, I, I actually thought about, um, you know, an episode of the show that we did a, a few episodes ago with uh, Ana Diaz, and you know, I think maybe there's a oh, certain. Yeah you know, style of R and B that is, you know, we did Frank Ocean who's kind of iconic, obviously. And um I mean this stuff definitely feels like in, in the vein of a lot of that 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 stuff that he did. Tell me what you know, what you Yeah, it's this song is from this year. Uh and I can't imagine that it wasn't influenced that this that this artist doesn't listen to mm-hmm. Uh, Frank Ocean et al. Yeah. Like, and it's weird that it, it came like we shuffled it after Juice World because I think it, it, I mean, it's different. It's definitely more R&B. I love his voice, actually. Kind of a delicate voice. You know, I think it has certain, you know, comparisons to Juice World. It has a, a very kind of haunted quality as well. But, you know, I mean, hey, I, you know, these kids are, <laughs> it's 2020, man. Like, you know, there's nothing good going on right now. So, I mean, maybe that music just is reflecting like the times we live in. I like that. That real squelchy kind of parliament funkadelic bass. Yeah, yeah. Like Bernie Worrell. Who is that again? Bernie Worrell was like the uh, synth player and keyboard player for P-Funk. Oh, okay. He did those kind of squelchy kind of, you know, synth sounds and stuff. 
Oh, like the blast. Yeah, yeah, the Nice, nice. Because we got time to waste. But we got time. This, does, this has just the right cadence. It's like yeah, a yeah. slow walking, so like a plotting. It's thinking music, I think. Mm hmm. Totally. No, I, I really dug this. I dug this. Me too. Alright, we so we, we just two, I feel like we're just like schizophrenic here. But that's the beauty of shuffling. I, I but I enjoy it. We've got two songs left and I'll let you choose which one we end on. Like uh, do you, which one do you want to take next and which one should be the very end? Let's do Bob Lind and we'll end on the other one. Nice. Alright. So City Scenes by Bob Lind was suggested by Adam Wenger. Thank you so much. Oh sorry, Wagner. Jeez. Uh, I'm in back in 2015 <laughs> head. <laughs> That's uh. a real inside joke. Uh, Wenger was uh, me and Jason used to work at the same uh, PR and marketing agency, and we had a client called Wenger. <laughs> I am. Um, it's inside baseball. Uh, City Scenes by Bob Lind comes to us from Adam yeah. Wagner. Uh, thank I, you, Adam, uh, and thank you, everybody else. Number one, shout out to Adam. And uh, this is the first time I feel embarrassed. This is the first time I feel embarrassed in the show. Like I have never heard of Bob Lind. And I literally thought I knew really? every kind of like weird, quirky, semi psychedelic, weird folk guy that sold like zero records that ever existed in the <laughs> 1960s because I love all that shit. Like, by far, nice. this is totally my jam. I love this record. And I like, I was like, how I didn't I not know? I got the like, feeling it. Like, I, I know about yeah, Gary Higgins and Bill Fay and, you know, like Skip Spence <laughs> and like, like, I don't know Bob Lind. It's crazy. Weird. All right. So here's City Scenes. I knew from the first note. I knew this was going to be your shit, man. Oh, <laughs> I hope that's not that's not a yeah, absolutely. I hope that doesn't reflect like poorly on you. Kato would love this. I am on my way to daylight. Oh yeah. I am on my way. Keep it open. Keep it. Yeah, like Fred. This one like Fred Neal. Dudes like that. Well, I'm, I'm hearing like what little I know of Neil Young, which yeah, I again, mean, sure is is yeah sticking out. So did you do any learning of Bob Lind while you were listening? Uh, I looked up his Wikipedia quick, but I, I, this is one I'm definitely going to like hop on like Discogs and see what the vinyl situation's like. City These guys can either be like, I guarantee this record's either $4 or like 80 no in, <laughs> no in between. Yeah, you're going to go to YouTube and the album's going to have like 5 million streams, the full album yeah. video. Yeah, either it's super cheap or it's going to be like insanely fucking rare and expensive. Just, man, do yourself a favor. Stay off Discogs for a while. It has eaten my life. I don't really use Discogs that much. I just... Oh, no? Uh, like the still yeah. frozen moment in the beggar's hand. Love is yeah, I love this song so good. It just, I, I just think records back in this era just sounded so good. Mm-hmm. And the arrangements are awesome. Like all the people playing on this record, like literally, like did a Beach Boys record the next day, and like a Marvin Gaye record the next day after that. You know, nineteen seventy-one. <laughs> Another thing I love of this era is like the super dry drum sounds. Like super dead. Like they used to like put yeah, carpet. Yeah. They used to put carpet. Not compress. Yeah, they used to put carpet on like the the drum booth. Just so like zero reverb. It's all like super woody kind of sounding. Uh-huh. Followed by mechanical reality. 
it kind of ties back to what we were saying about King Giz, where I believe they use like period instruments and maybe like they've recorded to tape before to get that sound well, I to like get yeah, an authentic. Totally. Sound. I wonder if they go to like a, just a, a straight like you know half inch reel to reel or something. Yeah, could be. This is a pretty sad song. It's like almost all descending. Like there's not a victorious like comeback at any point. Doesn't resolve anywhere super satisfying. It's just, I love it, but yeah. it's not a happy one. No, no, no. It's got that kind of mournful. Especially, yeah. I did read a little bit about like this guy has the classic thing. Like in in the early to mid '60s, he was totally like a folk revival guy, and then got progressively uh-huh. kind of like more psychedelic as time went on. You know, it's like the classic career arc of like a million guys like that. Yeah, folk is the gateway music to to psych. Is the gateway music to jam? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, like, I mean, Jerry Garcia was in, like, a bluegrass band. Yeah, and some of the dead stuff is pretty folky, right? Yeah, totally. Like, like American Beauty and Working Man's Dead, for sure. Yeah, they always had mm-hmm. a strong folk element, for sure. All right, then now, that leaves just one one song left, and man, I got to listen to more of this band. Yeah, I mean, these guys are legends, man. You know, yes, like the, the kings of Prague, you know, uh, what can you say about yes, man? They, they like, <laughs> there's something else. They man. ate it up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I mean, honestly too, like, you know, I was thinking about this in context of like, you know, this is goes so far back and, but at the same time, uh, there's absolutely no, um, Pliny. I don't think there's any animals as leaders stuff we've listened to on this podcast huh. without, without yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. Just because people weren't pushing like, chops like to this degree and like in odd time signatures and just this ability like all these kind of you know first wave of prog bands and like you know them and genesis and gentle giant and gong and all that shit you know um i mean it's it's still it's impressive to this day and like the one thing i would say though that it has maybe uh above animals as leaders is like i think it still has a groove quality to it because oh yeah like these guys you know animals as leaders kind of they grew up in a time when like the stuff was already happened. Right. So like, you know, yes, like obviously had amazing chops and the, you know, Bruford and Chris Squire are amazing and stuff like that. Uh, but you know, these guys grew up listening to Elvis Presley and like Chuck Berry and stuff. Right. Like there wasn't Prague until they invented it. So, um, it's heart of the sunrise. Um, you know, this is a classic. Yes. song. classic. Uh, and thank you, Josh Carmel for, bringing this to us. I am going to love going out on this one. (laughs) By the way, I was Googling this song and this was available for rock band as a download. (laughs) That's gotta be fun. I would have loved this song as like a 12 year old. I, I listened to a lot of King Crimson and a little bit of Gentle Giant. Yeah, I mean, and that's, this that's fits all right in that, you know, in that contemporaries mold. for sure. Uh huh. Now, I heard, Matt, that the bassist for this band, I forget his name, but that uh, he Chris played Squire. a Rickenbacker. Chris Squire, thank you. Uh, that he played a Rickenbacker with about one third of the body shaved down so that, like, it was about two thirds the weight of a normal Rick. Oh, wow. Yeah, I knew he played a Rick. I, I mean, I wouldn't pretend to be able to know the difference in sound of what, like, 
a two-thirds weight Rick sounds like compared uh, to like a full. But I'm sure it was more but, more comfort thing for him probably because Ricks are yeah, yeah. Ricks are. I've played one in the studio. Like, those things are a real plank of wood, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. There's a little bit of pride thing. Like I've always played bass with a pick for comfort. Like I learned that way, and knowing that like really good bass lines and really good bassists are playing with picks just like warms the cockles of my heart mm-hmm. a little bit. I don't know if you get the same thing where it's like yeah yeah, yeah totally bass, like finger basing is finger picking is how most bassists learn just because that's how most bassists teach. But I've I've always had a thing for like oh that bassist uses a pick yeah, and this I mean, and this guy does. Uh, that's such a oh, whatever. We're getting the bass zone here, I but know. like I, I just I always hate that debate because to me it's like I always kind of did both depending on like what the type of stuff I was doing. And I don't really see it as like a either or kind of situation. Is like yeah, there's yeah. A certain things like it's just better honestly. Like you know, fingers are, are great in, in probably many res- in, in many respects, and I've done that a lot. But like you know, if you're doing sort of like kind of like green day thing like, right just play with a pick it's so much more articulation like the one thing i love about you know, i actually think is an interesting element of yes that's more contemporary is that i think i mean rick's had that kind of grindy tone i mean like lemmy from motorhead played a rick you know and like mm-hmm. and he played with a pick and like i mean these guys are very fancy pants kind of like you know pantaloons and capes and shit but um like you know his song his sound is tough like he gave it that kind of like grindy kind of guitar like tone and squire is amazing and like you know he was obviously like one of my favorite basses getting me from rush like said like you know without chris squire like i would be nowhere you know what i mean like so i mean these guys changed the game and you know like bruford is playing now and like he played in yes and king crimson so like talk about like there's the DNA. The ultimate, like, you know, prog drummer, you know. And, yeah. I mean, these guys I, are, I mean, like, the rhythm section is just absolutely. It's nuts. Like, other, uh, even of the time, prog bands were, like, going, I don't want to infringe on anybody's, like, artistic or creative right, but, like, some somewhat overboard. Some got a little heads in their asses about, like, what they needed to do well. to be prog <laughs> or, like, how complicated it needed to be. Uh, I would say yes, got their heads significantly up their own ass like like have you ever heard like Even tales here? from topographic oceans or like uh no no oh, that's, yeah. i know uh-huh. i know this song and and another one from this album uh, roundabout which was used as the closing credits song for the anime jojo's bizarre adventure the first season uh which that's the only point of reference i have for yes outside of the song we're listening to right now <laughs> oh wow yeah no i yes is great i mean I can roll with John Anderson. I think his vocals, like which are coming up, for some folks are a little bit too much. Um, well, let's let let's let the man sing. I mean, yeah, I just, I you know. I find it like affectionate, just like how, like kind of over the top and cheesy it is. But yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, like Steve Howe as a guitar player is amazing. I, I would really recommend the album uh, prior to this, the Yes album, it's called, and that's a, I love that album. The yeah. and close Did to those the both edge come out this. the same year. Wow, yeah. Just looking at Wikipedia, it looks like it looks like Fragile and and the Yes album both came out in seventy one. I mean, bands, you know, they worked fast back then. Really, 
really cranked it out. Why do you think, Matt, that... I mean, like, I think it's safe to say that Pink Floyd had a bigger, like, splash than Yes and has had longer-term cultural impact than than Yes. Is that is that accurate? Uh, yeah, I mean, Pink Floyd... Were they Floyd, contemporaries Pink, at all? Yeah, I mean, definitely, I, I would... Pink Floyd's a weird one. I, I, I go back and forth on whether they're a prog band or not, because... Like, oh, really? Because they kind of started as, like, more of a psych band, and I... They certainly had prog ambition in terms of like the structure of their albums, but like Pink Floyd is so restrained. Like they're, I mean, they never do like the kind of tricky stuff we've heard earlier in this song. Like they're they're so mm-hmm. like they're so spare. Like Pink Floyd is really an economic kind of musical group. Um, yeah, but so I would consider yes more of like the prototypical prog band in certain ways than Pink Floyd. I think Pink okay, Floyd was kind okay. of proggy in the sense that they had like ambitious kind of concept albums and they're certainly part of that sort of scene, but I don't really see them as being like very like fancy, like or show offy musicians. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think the comparison I'm making must just be because of like the strong presence of bass and a melodic bass line, mm-hmm. like the one that this leads in with and money and some of the other stuff from dark side of the moon. That's just, like very bass forward and not always in a very clear set meter, not always with a yeah, like yeah. strong groove. Yeah. Well, totally, totally. But yeah, I mean, I definitely, yes, is contemporary to me, like King Crimson, Gentle Giant, mm-hmm. um, you know, National Health. I don't know how, you know, deep you want to I'm going to write these. I mean, I'm, I've been writing these down. I'm going to listen. Yeah, here's Rick Wakeman's a little bunch. So. Is he the guy on the synth? Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. He wore capes for real. I love this. That (laughs) that riff is so good, though. Yeah, I found some like you can find uh, like whole shows from like this era ish on YouTube of Yes and stuff. It's pretty cool to watch them back then. Are they mobile around the stage? Like, do they move or do they stick to their spots? Um, I think Squire is Squire is like a really big, like imposing dude. He's like super tall and kind of like mm-hmm. big, and he kind of moves around. And John Anderson, I mean, the same at the end of the day though, it's like he can't. There's a limit to how much he can move, like trying to do this, this stuff. And like Rick Wakeman's like the classic like wizard with like literally three sides of like stacked up analog synths and organs, like five high on every. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every side. I mean, we could sit here for the next yeah. three minutes of the song yeah, and hear, and hear probably, three more songs. We're pushing our time on this this episode, probably. Uh, I I'm pretty comfortable with where we're at. If you want to, yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to thank thank listeners one last time and get us out of here. Yeah, no, I mean, like, again, like these picks were fun. We had a blast doing the show. Uh, we're definitely going to try to make this something that we return to on a you know a regular basis. I don't know what the cadence of that will be. Um, and, and again, you know, we got all your picks. We appreciate all your picks and we're going to try to make sure we get to as many as possible, whether through additional episodes like this or, you know, uh, community picks on uh, future episodes with a a guest. So, um, like I said, man, we've had a blast doing the show. We hope you've enjoyed listening to it and, um, we're excited about, you know, trying to, trying to keep it going and, and getting awesome guests and hopefully having some interesting music discussions. But, um, yeah, just 
thanks a lot. Thanks for your support. And it, it's been overwhelmingly such a, a, a positive experience for me. And I think Jason would probably concur with that as well. Um, so, Oh, you have no idea. Uh, I was so excited for this episode and I'm already looking forward to the next time we can do this. I did forget to mention, but you can find all the songs we talked about today and a bunch more in the Crossfade Community Spotify playlist, which is linked in the show notes. So, uh, yeah, you can catch us right here in two weeks for another episode of Crossfade. Uh, in the meantime, you can find Matt at Matt Helgeson on Twitter and me at Nintendoofus. Thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, keep on trucking. Love comes to you.